Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here, and we are joined by our good buddy Prez to get into skills that the Knicks should most be looking to develop going into the 2023 to 24 season. And no big surprise, RJ Barrett was a big uh, topic of discussion, so much so that he got his own episodes. This whole first episode dedicated entirely to RJ Barrett right now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Starts without a five. Willing for the win. Yes. Up and tucks left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. And he's Anthony for three. All right, welcome in to Locked On Next. Knicks, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. And we want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. Make sure you hit that notification bell on YouTube or the auto-download function on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. And if you guys want to talk even more hoops with us, check us out on Subtext. There is a link in the description, either on your favorite podcast app or on YouTube. So check that out. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm Aaron Chief and Nick's site to Strickland, as you can find Strick.land. He's Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And we are joined by Prez from the Strickland. He is the co-host of the Friday edition of Pod Strickland and also a really great draft writer and also a guy that really loves skills of players. And so what better person to bring on for this skills-focused series of episodes? So we'll hop right into the first episode all about R.J. Barrett right now. All right, and we are getting into the biggest skills that the Knicks need to work on this offseason going into next season. Of course, a a big season for the Knicks this year, uh, exceeding expectations, clearly put in a lot of work last year going into this season. Julius Randle, Jalen Brunson, uh, Mitchell Robinson, everyone, er everyone had great seasons. Manuel Quickly, Quentin Grimes, R.J. Barrett even especially towards the postseason. Uh, so clearly they did some work last offseason. Now we're going to talk about what they should work on this offseason. And, of course, it's myself, Alex, and Gavin, and we are joined by our special guest, Prez, who's here to help us out a, uh, let's see, draft guru, but let's say a development guru also, Prez. I think you're the, you were one of the most uh, skill-focused people that I know as far as looking at basketball. So I feel like you're perfect for this episode. Yeah, I'll take uh, whatever <laughs> accolades you want to bestow upon <laughs> me, bro. <laughs> well, this is... Sure. <laughs> there Ooh. we go. Yeah, you're you're very, slow to, very slow to take that compliment, Prez. You're like, <laughs> yeah, all right. I'll take <laughs> <it."> <laughs> I mean, you know, you got to learn to take compliments when you can. Um, and who who better to start with than of all those players that I just mentioned with uh, regards to how they developed last year i think one guy that a lot of us last year sort of came out outside of the postseason where i think that he did step up a lot i think a lot of us maybe came out 
a little underwhelmed with RJ Barrett last year. Uh, you know, with the overall progression of his game, there was sort of pie in the sky dreams of of the Knicks having their own sort of big three with Brunson and and Randall and uh, RJ, especially once Randall started playing really well when the season started. And then things just kind of never came together for RJ for one reason or the other. Uh, his three-point shooting was all over the place throughout the year. Even just his – everything about his game seemed to just sort of fluctuate wildly last year uh, all throughout the course of the year. So independent of each other, we all came up with these skills that we thought would be interesting for the Knicks to work on. And all of us, without having any – requirements of who we had to talk about each one of us came up with something about rj barrett and each of us had something different that we think that rj barrett should be working on uh so prez as the guest i'll throw it to you first like what do you think the thing is that rj barrett should be working on so at the beginning of last season the reason why i was pretty optimistic about rj was he had a baseline of like, yeah, he struggled with some things. He had some strengths, some weaknesses, but just as long as he didn't get worse at stuff, any improvement in any of the things that he could improve on would be pretty great for his game overall. So I was like, Oh, it's not like, you know, it wasn't like, Oh, like we need this horrible shooter to just, become a good shooter it was like oh he's been up and down but mostly all right and if he gets a little better cool if he finishes a little better cool if he plays a little bit better defense cool and then he didn't really get better at anything and he got worse at some things and uh it wasn't fun for any of us and i'm sure it wasn't fun for rj um so you could at this point pick like it's no surprise that we each picked a different thing because there's a lot of things he can work on um the one that was top of mind for me today was is shooting just because I'm bored. It's the off season and we got our first RJ Barrett workout video of the year, courtesy of Drew Hanlon. And uh, I don't know, I, y'all know, and for people who don't follow me on Twitter, I try to be an armchair, like shop mechanics, analyzer person with varying degrees of success. And RJ, I like to think I'm pretty good at it by now, but RJ has always kind of stumped me. As to like, if you ask me like, what about his shot makes it so it doesn't go in? I've never really been able to quite nail that down. But I do know that in at least in the video today, there were some some changes that seemed intentional um, in terms of how his arms were angled in the shot that it looked a little better in the past. When we've gotten RJ offseason videos, I'm like, is it different? I don't know. Is it intentional? I don't know. Um, ultimately, we'll have a better idea soon because FIBA starts up and he's going to be playing for Canada. So we'll get to see RJ hoops very soon. Um, but if he could just get back to being a, you know, like respectable floor spacer, even if he, he doesn't have to be buddy healed, but if he's just respectable out there. That'd just be huge for Randall and Brunson and, per- and quickly and our, just our ball handlers in particular. Because by the end of last season, like we saw what the Heat did, like they were, they were just ignoring him and like they ignored Josh Hart too. But it was more, it's more glaring for RJ because RJ takes a lot of threes. He's, he's not shy. 
he just bricks a lot. So you just we just gotta deal with all these plays where he's just like alone out there bricking, and it's just like ah, what if he made them a little bit? So hopefully he starts knocking them down like he did in seasons past. Prez, I got I gotta ask. This is a this is a very specific question, so I I don't blame you if you don't have an answer off the top of your head for it, but. Are, are the changes you're seeing now in his jump shot a continuation of like kind of what was hyped at the beginning of the playoffs where he like went off, worked with Drew a little bit and obviously came out in that Cavs series and initially was hot, even if he ultimately finished the playoff shooting the same percentage he did during the regular season? That's a great question. And for people who don't know what Gavin is mentioning, Drew Hanlon, one of uh, RJ's main trainers, um, a, a little bit before the playoffs, had a very cryptic tweet about, it sounds like one of those internet pop-up ads, like one quick change or whatever. <laughs> what they don't want you, scientists don't want you to know <laughs> or whatever. And he didn't say what it was, but he said like, "Oh, we worked on this thing, and now in the last three games, RJ has shot the ball well or whatever." And as you might guess, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out what the hell it was, and I was unable to. That's not to say that. He didn't change something. He probably did. Um, but I don't know what the hell it was. So I have no idea if this is the same or, or different or what. <laughs> it's all about how he flicked his pinky or something. I Like, it's got to be something extremely minute at that point. I mean, it might literally be to the point at this point of, of hand positioning or something. I, oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's yeah. plenty of stuff that, like, you can change. And you, we just, unless you have, like, a close-up camera, like, you won't be able to tell. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and I mean, so much of it too with RJ, I feel like, I feel like this describes so many of the, the Knicks too, but something about it has always just felt like it's between his ears as well. Like the, mm-hmm. the form always looks good and it just seems like it, it must just be some minute thing mm-hmm. that, that he starts overanalyzing right at the end of the shooting mechanic that makes it not go in the way it should because in theory, I mean, he loads it up pretty much the same every time. And then it's just when it comes off his hand, it's just that minute amount off that it, it can't be if you want it to go in. And that's the frustrating part with him is like, it's almost like when Grimes goes through a cold spell too. And you just look at him and you're like, how, how could you <laughs> ever go through a cold spell? Your form is picturesque. You're like, you're like what they teach kids to shoot. Like, you know, like, like just perfect up and down, like, like repeatable, whatever. And then sometimes Grimes just goes through these spells, like even did in the postseason, you know, where it's just like it, uh, the form is there and it looks like it should go in and then it just doesn't. And you're just like, well, what is, what is the, the thing that's not working here? That's like, why it's always been frustrating with the RJs. Cause like, mm-hmm. yeah, he was a horrible shooter last year. Like every single metric, simple or advanced has him like, among 294 players, RJ Barrett ranked 290th or whatever. <laughs> and, but like, he's, it's not like he don't look like Michael Cade Gilchrist out here. He's mm-hmm. doesn't look that busted. It just sucks. And that definitely totally makes it worse as like a fan watching because you're, it, it just does not compute. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back in talking about more R.J. Barrett with Prez in just a second, including what we think R.J. Barrett could become as a player uh, going forward and what we think his ceiling is, what we think the archetype he should sort of be 
trying to slot into is whether he needs to sort of take a step back from trying to become a superstar at this point. Uh, so there's a lot to talk about. But first, I got to remind you all, today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount and bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 You can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to get the first home run. All on an app that's safe, secure, and easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And, you know, gotta love the Mets right now. Maybe you could bet on how many players will still be on the Mets after the trade deadline with the, the ferocious speed that they're going with right now. Who knows? I guess we'll see. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. And, and the weird thing about it, right, is the direction that it's going, right? Second year, he was at 40%. Right. year after, he was at 34.5%. And then I think coming into last season, we're like, all right, if he settles in at 36%, like that is totally – and I, I I think when you were talking about this earlier, yeah. Bryce, probably what you're referencing, like, hey, if he's a 36% shooter on volume, that's awesome. That's great. That's good enough that, like, in the playoffs, what happened – shouldn't have happened and like the heat were gonna have to cover him and like the thing is like in the playoffs like i i, I said before he was the same like he was a little bit better he's one and a half percent better um everyone else typically shoots worse during the playoffs and that came with like a couple like his what was he in game six he was like one for ten from the field probably like oh for five from three like he had some stinkers in there so i you can't wipe those out but if you want to wipe those out you could say it's some great games but i i guess like where i'd want to go with this is like where do you think the shooting has to get to for him to be i and and obviously the knicks long-term goal is to get a player better than Julius Randle and RJ next to Brunson, but at least for like the next like two seasons, if it is that long, like for him to be the third banana, or if you ex just exchange Randle out for someone else for him to be the long-term third banana, like where does the shooting ultimately have to get to for you? Um, Probably like what you said, he just has to, it, it makes such a big difference if he's just respectable because all of a sudden, that's one defender that's not in the paint. That's a couple more points every game. Um, that opens his driving lanes a little bit more, gives him a little more room to pass. Like, it just has a trickle-down effect. So, um, for him to, like, really... For it to be beyond just nice and, like, impactful, I would say the volume he's at... so. In addition to not making threes last year, he also, either because of the misses or because of just this was the team's game plan, um, he pretty much only took spot up and catch and shoot threes. Um, the year before, when he shot 36%, uh, he started dabbling a little bit in off the dribble threes, especially in the second half of the year when... Um, we just gave him like crazy usage uh, as the season was winding down. And, you know, he wasn't like amazing at it, but anytime you have to make the defense think, oh, he might put it on the deck and he still might shoot a three, then that's just another opportunity for the defense to make a mistake. So I guess beyond just being solid at catch and shoot, if he just was you know, like you said, 37-ish percent, 38% on overall, 
and then you know high 30s on catch and shoot and then a credible threat to do like some pull-up shooting and it doesn't got to be crazy stuff it's just like oh i got a screen and i have to take one dribble because they went under the screen because i'm rj barrett and they don't respect me i can shoot that like just enough to make them think about that like you can you don't even have to be particularly great at those for it to be effective you could be like 33 percent on those and if you're taking you know one of those a game that'll go a long way so that's what i would say um back to being a reliable legit solid spot up shooter and then dabbling in in pull-up shooting that doesn't make you want to like torch your eyeballs yeah i i i think i have sort of a a a direction i want to take this discussion that's a little a little off of just the skill that i that i picked out here but so i'll give like my rationale on this because i i think that sort of leads like what you were just talking about leads into what i want to talk about as far as my skill for rj so what i when i was thinking about it i was like i think the finishing and the free throw drawing he needs to work on and i think we started to see some strides in that now surprisingly it felt like during the playoffs that he made sort of a leap in this but he actually got a little worse uh at the rim in the playoffs and actually a little worse at drawing fouls apparently according to cleaning the glass so like uh, at the rim, he was 59% during the regular season last year, which was the best number he's put up, but still only 24th percentile for a wing, which is not exactly what you want to see. Uh, and then in the playoffs, he was 55% at the rim, so 4% worse, and that put him at 19th percentile for wings. But foul drawing, he's gotten really, really good. And I mean, I say gotten, like, he's been pretty good, like, his whole career at foul drawing, but I think he's gotten better. Uh, at, at this point, 15.4% of his shot attempts, he gets fouled on. And that's 95th percentile in the NBA. He did that all of last year. And then uh, s- during the playoffs, that went up to 16%, uh, which was 93rd percentile. So actually, you know, with the increase of guys getting to the rim and whatever in the playoffs, I guess that the, the threshold became a little higher when you're in the same playoffs as like Jimmy Butler, um, <laughs> as far as, what what percentile you're going to rank in while drawing fouls getting in but i mean that's those are fantastic numbers and like his free throw shooting has gotten a, a decent amount better like that is one curve that you can see getting consistently better throughout his career which is good he's almost up to 75% after last year and he shot 77% in the playoffs of course had that um the I think it was game six against the Heat where he drew like eight free throws just in the first quarter alone. Um, so he's got that kind of potential. The reason that I highlighted that as a skill and not something related to the shooting, and maybe the, I, I'll throw this to you guys to see what you think. I'm starting to reach a point with RJ, and I know this will probably get me lit up in YouTube comments or whatever, like, how dare you, you're uh, – giving up on this guy he's only 22 years old blah, blah blah only 23 years old however the hell old he is at this point but like i'm starting to reach a point where and there's nothing wrong with this where i'm starting to just think hey i think maybe if rj just focuses in on essentially being a good like catch and shoot like stationary three-point shooter and then continues working on these uh, the stuff where he drives in and just generates fouls and you know can learn to finish better on the inside I think there's an outline of a really good player there that maybe just isn't like 
a megastar and that's okay. And that's sort of where I'm starting to go to with him. I just don't know. Like we're now four years into his career and I feel like we're not seeing the pull-up shooting and the self-created shooting come together like we thought maybe it could uh, if he were to become like a megastar. And, and I'm sort of just coming to peace with that. And maybe that is me like throwing in the towel too early. But I think at this point, I would kind of be happy with his career and his career arc if he started just zeroing in on like the those micro skills at this point and saying like, I can still be like an 18 to 20 point per game score without trying to act as alpha-y as I have in the past. And that might solve some of like the... The issues that we see where like he and Julius don't necessarily have the best shared court numbers and stuff like that. I think because there's this constant kind of like tug of war, uh, either spoken or unspoken about like, you know, whose turn it is or whatever, like that sort of thing when both of them are on the floor. And maybe this is the way that like his career can kind of progress and that this this like trio of him and Brunson and, and Randall can sort of keep gelling and get better. I don't know, Gavin, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I think I, I, as long as he's becomes a good spot up shooter, he can be on this team long-term. If, if he doesn't like, I don't think he can to me, it's as simple as that. Like everything else is gravy to your point. Like I'm sure I would love for him to have a mid range game. I'd love for him to hit like one or two off the dribble threes every game. But if he can do that, we saw, and, and I'm sure president something you want to touch on too. Like I thought the processing got genuinely better from him the second half of the senior season and maybe like I don't know sometimes I think he would just see the past like earlier in his career and just decide not to make it so maybe it was as simple as him being a little bit more unselfish like his assist to usage ratio still like isn't that good and it went went up like 20 percentile like points in the playoffs and it still wasn't really above average but like I, I think we all clearly saw like he was making better decisions he was becoming just more tolerable to play with which I think is an underrated part of all this and like there's some element i've talked about this largely in the past before just of self-awareness there like where he's at on the team and i think like like Jalen is clearly number one in the hierarchy and to your point alex like in the past like there was some debate like all right is rj like the golden child is like julius the golden child now like he's clearly third in that pecking order and then it gets complicated a little bit in the playoffs when julius gets hurt and all of a sudden you're like all right you do need those ancillary skills for rj but as this team continues to develop as expectations continue to get higher there's almost less room for him to play around with those things and he's forced to just lean into his strengths because this is a team that is absolutely trying to win so i'm fine if he does just that but if the spot up shooting isn't there i don't know if the rest of it matters and i think at a certain point you you maybe have to trade him in for a less talented player whose skill set is just a, a cleaner fit but prez like what, what do you think the balance is there between him like continuing to like poke and prod to expand his game and, and also just contributing to winning, which was obviously in the regular season. Like I, I think there was, there was a pretty clear case like that you could argue he was the next worst rotation player. Yeah, I'd say he was, he was the next worst rotation player for sure. Um, <clears throat> at least after Evan Fournier and D Rose were removed from the rotation. <laughs> yeah. Post um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Once we got our, our, uh, our, our affairs in order. Um, that's a good question. Uh, I, I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I think you can develop those kind of skills um, while um, doing more role playery stuff on the court, particularly because, because RJ, like pretty much 
he might share the third spot on the pecking order with IQ or IQ might pass him. Um, or, you know, maybe Grimes has a big breakout or maybe we start getting like at the end of the season when we had Josh Hart, Josh Hart started closing games over RJ Barrett. But at the end of the day, RJ Barrett still averaged the third most minutes right on the team. So as long as he gets the ball, you know, he doesn't, nobody's going to be like calling for a bunch of isolations for RJ or something, but like he'll have chances to put it on the deck and explore and practice some of this stuff for better or for worse. I don't think, I don't think it would be up to him really to be like, I'm just going to do less, right? Like the way, just the way our team operates, which like having guys who can drive, drive all the time and the offensive rebounds and all that, like, I think we kind of just have to deal with this. And so does he, he has to kind of just sink or swim, which is why I kind of always have said, I would, you know, RJ's still super young to y'all's point from earlier. And it's not that I don't think he can develop. I just think it'll be more likely to happen on another team or there's a good chance it can happen on another team. um, Because the role might be different or the team structure might be different. Maybe he has more freedom or less freedom. I don't know. Um, And to your other point, something I wanted to hit on. I know I picked spot up shooting for my thing, but I actually think the most important thing for him is the passing and the reads that you were talking about. Like that series versus Cleveland, one of the real stupid things I think that Cleveland did, although I understand why they did it because Jalen Brunson and Mitchell Robinson were destroying them is they packed the paint like four, sometimes even five people. And that meant when RJ Barrett drove, he didn't have to make a read. He could just be like, someone's open out there. I'm going to do a quick scan of the floor, like a quarterback and find him. And he was really good at it. And against the heat, they didn't pack the paint quite like that. They did sometimes, um, but he didn't, uh, they didn't do it quite as obviously as Cleveland, which made the passing a little harder. But my hope is that the playoff series kind of showed him that, like, oh, I can, like, always, like, this driving kick is going to be there for me because I'm so good at driving. Like, I, I've tweeted about this, but um, hit the percentage of passes and assists he has on drives is really low for somebody who who drives more than 10 times a game. Like the only players who pass less than him on drives are SGA, John Morant and no SGA Zion and Giannis. So like big hulking driving nuclear bombs basically. And I'm like, you know, it's, it's no offense to RJ to say you not like them. So just, (laughs) if he just kicked the ball out, or passed on his drives, not even a crazy high rate, just a normal average rate. Yeah. Man, our offense would be humming like crazy because the one thing you can count on RJ to do is get into the paint. And um, even no matter how bad his finishing is, like if someone's driving into the paint, the other team's going to get scared and probably freak out at least some of the time. So um, if he can do that, I think it makes him less dependent on taking hard shots. It makes the defense is more scared. It gives our shooters more chances to shoot. So that would be like my number one thing. If I had like a 
I found a genie lamp specific for RJ Barrett and it only had one wish, that's what I would say. <laughs> yeah, last season, 24th percentile in the NBA in assist to usage ratio in the regular season, 44th percentile in the playoffs, which is which to be clear is actually like more in line with what he's done in his career, but his actual number in the playoffs was higher than he's ever put up in his career. So like anything close to rep. Like it was almost a stunning transformation. Like we were like, we, I we were coming on these post game pods after the games and being like, Oh wow. He made the right pass. Oh, he did it again. He did it again. And like to press point, like there was like something about the success that I think became kind of contagious. And he was like, all right, like this is, this is working. It feels good. I'm going to keep doing it. And like, I'm, I'm weirdly confident, even though his development has never been linear that like, at least that inclination is going to carry into next season. Yeah, I could see that too. I mean, I, at least I hope so. You know what I mean? This, it, I guess that all sort of goes into what, like Prez, what you just said a second ago, like realizing that he's not that dude. You know what I mean? Like, I think that that's my greatest hope for him from a not just pinpointing a skill perspective this offseason. It's just sort of the self assessment where he says, I can be a really good NBA player if I set aside thinking that I have to be like one of the top guns. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah, like 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 not thinking that he has to be on the level of like Randall or Brunson, like as far as how much usage he's gonna be carrying and and just focusing like zooming in from like the macro of like I have to be a superstar into the micro of like I just have to make the right plays and try to like maximize every time I touch the ball and not expect a certain number of touches, you know, like just focus on making the most of everyone that I do get. Like I, maybe it's, I mean, I know they're like completely different players, but I think that there's something, something to potentially looking at like his fellow Canadian and Andrew Wiggins, who went from a guy who was like high usage, probably had, you know, I don't, I don't think this is a hot take to say had more raw talent, you know, that then RJ was kind of handed the keys in Minnesota, you know, and given tons of shot attempts and everything else and was putting up the counting stats numbers and whatever. And yet eventually became a guy that was undesirable because it was like, well, how much is this leading to winning and whatever? And then gets effectively salary dumped to Golden State and turns everything around by just being like, you know what? I'm good at like, a number of things. Why don't I just like, and this is probably a, a product of Steve Kerr and that fantastic system there, but like, you know, just sort of zeroing in on like, okay, this is what I'm good at. Like, so why don't I just focus in on this stuff? And then I could be a key part of a team with some really talented, like alpha guys on it and still play a huge role and still contribute big time to winning and be like a huge player on a, on a championship winning team. Like, I think that maybe that's eventually where RJ's career goes. Now, maybe we're still a few years away from that, but if, and, you know, Prez, to your point too, whether that's on the Knicks or on some other team, I think to me, if I were going to like try to crystal ball it and figure out where he's headed, I, th I think that's sort of the path that I would see him eventually going down of like the, the Wiggins or trying to think like who are some other players that this is sort of who had higher expectations that eventually kind of tempered them. 
I don't know. Wiggins just comes. I mean, it, I mean, if you want to go another warrior, like guys like Iguodala and Livingston, kind of. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Iguodala Finals MVP. So I guess you could you could say he he did it all. But like he was yeah. the number one scorer early in his career, and that or or even out. like Harrison Barnes, who went from role on Golden State to bigger role elsewhere, and then sort of slotting back into a smaller role again with Sacramento and really contributing, you know, to winning there. Like maybe something like that, but. Yeah. The funny thing about RJ is I feel like when when we say like he needs to be more self-aware, we're really talking about the stuff near the hoop with taking bad shots and passing, right? Because he's not like the unself-aware player who's taking like fadeaway, like Jordan fadeaways. No, right? it's not JR Smith. <laughs> he 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 really doesn't take that many mid-range jump shots. Yeah. And like I like I mentioned earlier, he almost eliminated off the dribble threes entirely from his game. So he's not really taking like he he does get the ball a lot and he does call his own number often, but it's not really in the superstar-y kind of way that we're used to. It's just like and and this is the other thing is our whole team's shtick is everybody just charged the the paint. So you know, Tibbs is always talking about like, yes, we have to drive a lot, but also you have to make the right read. So I, they just need to like tell, tell RJ to emphasize. They need to tell RJ, hey, you're going to collapse the defense, find the shooters and challenge him to, you know, average five assists or something like that. Because right now we've already, we're already good at the whole, like, everybody drive to the paint and Mitch will clean up. We're great at that. You don't need to tell, like it was clear last year that that was the instructions for everybody. Like IQ, who is, you know, he's not a, he's score first, but he's a good passer in his own right. Even IQ was like, no, I'm going straight to the hole. Like by the end of the season, like he, he, he put his head down quite a lot and passed up threes to drive many times, even in, in late in the season in the playoffs. Um, and even late in the season before the playoffs when he was cooking. So, you know, part of it is on RJ to realize, to realize, hey, like I gotta, I gotta use my ability to drive for more than just scoring. And then part of it to me is on the Knicks for being like, yeah, I know our whole stick is like, we can't turn the ball over if we don't pass and we can only get offensive rebounds if we take shots near the rim, but they need to dial that mentality back from like a 10 to like an eight or nine or else both for RJ and for the entire team to me. So that's one of those things where like if RJ himself, I don't think RJ self, I I mean, maybe the playoffs change something in him and he, we see him naturally begin to kick the ball out more. But what I'm worried about is like, if the coaches don't do this, don't make him do this, then he won't do it. That's what I'm worried about. Yeah, and I think I think my lingering concern is is also like I mean something we haven't touched on yet. And I don't even know if we were planning on, but but his defense, um, which I thought was pretty horrible throughout the regular season, um, and then during the playoffs, like again, I I test wise, um, maybe maybe not watching the games four times like Tibbs, but I thought I thought it got better, and like definitely there were there was some real defensive playmaking there, and yet and look and like you could maybe attribute this largely to him sharing his minutes with Jalen Brunson, but the defense was uh, five and a half points worse when he was on the floor in the playoffs, like despite him feeling better, their offense was 11 points worse because to Prez's point, like even when RJ was shooting pretty well and Quentin Grimes couldn't make a shot to save his life, 
teams are still guarding Quentin Grimes and teams are not guarding RJ Barrett. So that's like Alex, like your point on like his ultimate destiny, like whether it's on the Knicks or on another team with him taking a step back, like, like he still has to like that. It's great on paper, but like he has to figure out those skills, which is like, is the shooting, but it's also, it's also his defense and the Knicks all of last year, like at times would just like tank when RJ and Brunson would share the floor. But he's like, they pres, I think this was something you and Schwinn were talking about. If I remember correctly, like heading into the playoffs, um, they just couldn't survive having two bad defenders on the floor. And that that's where, like when we talk about RJ's long-term future on the team, that that's where I always get stuck. Like, I think at some point, unless he gets way better on that, and that's going to be the thing that ultimately pushes the Knicks to say like, are we, we just got to flip him for something. Yeah. I, I think I'm, I'm with you there. And I think that's probably a good, point to end the RJ discussion on and then get into some of these other skills that we picked out because we did all independently pick out an RJ skill, but we also picked out uh, two more skills each. So let's get into some more skills here. All right, that's it for today. We will be back tomorrow with another episode continuing this discussion with Prez. And in fact, back the day after that, too. This is a three-part episode that we're bringing to you. Uh, on tomorrow's edition, we'll be talking about Jalen Brunson's three-point shooting, Deuce's three-point shooting, and if that can turn him into a rotation player. And uh, a thing that lots of people talk about, uh, even when he's good, Julius Randle's defense. So that's all coming up on tomorrow's show. But for today, thank you all for listening. And we'll talk to you all soon. Peace out, everybody.